Rolling Masechus Brachas, Perik Zayin, Mishnah Aleph. Now, the previous Mishnah discussed the Chiv to bench, Mekat Mazon. This Mishnah will talk about the Chiv of doing the Zimun. And really, the whole Perik is on that topic. The Zimun is uh, the mitzvah of one, if when three people or more eat together, that one person should formally invite the others to join him in benching. And then in the time of the Mishnah, one person, that same person who was the Mizamin, the one who invited them to bench, would actually recite the Birkat Mazon for everybody. Everyone would just listen and say Amen to his brachas. Okay? It's a machlokas if it's a, if it's a mitzvah derais or derabanan. The Gemara brings two different psukim um, verses to support the obligation to say or to do the zimun, to do the inviting before benching. And one is the patsuk which says, Galul Hashem Iti, which means you will express God's greatness along with me, you meaning a plural, you two at least, with me, I'm the one, so it's me one plus you two makes three. Unrom Yachtav, and then we will um, uplift his name together. That's one pasuk, it's a pasuk from Tehillim. The other pasuk, the other verse that's brought to support the obligation to say, uh, the Zimin is a pasuk from the Chumash and Devarim, which says, Ki shem Hashem ekra, when I call out in the name of God, Godlu, oh, sorry, Havu Godel Lelokenu. You, Havu, should give, express um, greatness, the greatness of God, something like that. So again, it's when I, Ekra, I, singular, first person, call out, Havu, you, Plural, two or more, will be um, giving, expressing God's greatness. So that's the; those are two verses that are brought. Um, some understand it's a chi of Medoraisa, actually, um, an obligation from the Torah to do zimun. Others say it's just Medora Bana. Um, whatever the case, it is an obligation. And the way it's done is, everyone is familiar, I'm sure, with the zimun, when they say Rabbi Sainav Arech. Now, the truth is, Rabbi Sainav Arech means, uh, my friends, let us, let us, let us bless God, meaning the benching, the Birkat Mazon, um, that actually isn't the, the formal zimun. The formal zimun is when they say, Nevarech, uh, let us bless Shachal um, Shalom, the one from whom we ate Hashem. That, that, that phrase is the zimun, inviting everyone else to bench with you, and then everyone responds, Baruch Shachal Nami Shalom, blessed is the one from whom we've eaten. So uh, that's the Chiva Zimun, and that's the uh, the first sentence of the Mishnah, which says, If three people eat together, meaning they're eating as a group, because like we said in the previous Mishnah, um, what unifies them is their eating togetherness. So if you just were three guys sitting next to each other on an airplane, for argument's sake, um, or in a cafeteria among strangers, um, and perhaps even Yeshiva Barcham who happened to sit down next to each other, there wouldn't be a Zimun, because they didn't eat together. Whereas the three of you um, get together to have lunch, so then you're eating together, or certainly if you have like a, a suda, like on Shabbos, whatever it is, then um, there is a chiv, an obligation to make the zimun. We'll discuss in subsequent Mishnayas exactly who does the zimun and, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, the mission now will go on and to discuss um, certain scenarios where you might think that people shouldn't make a zimun, and others where you think that they maybe, you might think that they should, and the mission will say, where indeed one should and should not make zimun. The, the general gist of the next cases are where um, people are eating what, let's call it questionable foods. So the Mishnah will say, even though these are questionable, meaning a person shouldn't eat these foods perhaps, or you might think they shouldn't eat them, or you might think they're not included in the group of eating to be included for the zimun. Nevertheless, they are. So, and then the second half of the Mishnah will say the converse, people who you might think 
um, would be okay to include in the benching, but because of eating food that's actually forbidden um, or having eaten properly with the, with the sudra or can't be counted as part of the group, um, then they may not be included in the zimmah. Now, um, to understand the mission, you need to understand a bit of the background about the proper tithing process that goes on with all produce, um, or it's actually machlokes we're shown on what produce, but the, whatever produce is obligated to be tithed um, in Eretz Yisrael. So the tithing process, very briefly, this is the concise recording of the Mishnayis, and I can't go into it. It took me a whole sheer 45 minutes um, in the expanded version. We say it very briefly over here. Um, and I'll have a diagram sort of supplement so you can see, but I'm assuming you kind of understand this already. Or forgive me, it's probably a little too involved to, to summarize in just a few minutes here. But here are the basic hafrashas, the basic tithes. First, when a person, let's say, gets um, 100, uh, let's put some wheat here because we're benching, so 100 um, liters of, of grain. So then the first thing he does is takes off truma gadola, the first truma, the great truma, and that goes to the Kohen. The proper amount for that is normally 2% um, of the total tithe, um, but it could actually be uh, as little as one little grain midoraisa. After truma gadola is taken off, then the farmer takes the next 10% of what he has left. So if he had 100, he'd give two to the Kohen, he's left with 98. And of the 10% of that, meaning 98 um, liters of grain gives to the levy. That's called Maisa Rishon. And then with what he's left after with after he gives that 10%, um, he will either give as as a Maisa Sheni or Maisa Ani. That is to say, in um, four out of the seven years of the Shemitah cycle, here's one and two and four and five. He sets aside that food to be Maisa Sheni. That means he sets aside the food to be taken up to Jerusalem to, and be eaten over there. So he gets to eat the food, Maisa Sheni food. He just has to eat it, the Tahara in Jerusalem. Now, the din is if a person can't carry that food up to Jerusalem, he's allowed to uh, uh, redeem the Kedusha, the sanctity of that food, onto coins, and then bring the coins up to Jerusalem. But as we'll see in the Mishnah, it has to be coins specifically that have been minted, not just like flat um, slugs, you know, un unminted coins, just, you know, smooth gold pieces wouldn't count, would not be acceptable. And also you couldn't redeem it on, say, real estate. You'd have to redeem the Kedusha onto coins proper. Truth is, you could use food as well, but in terms of coins, it's obviously a minted coin. Um, the second thing that's an important rule to understand for our Mishnah is when a person redeems his uh, Meister Shani produce, because he doesn't want to bring the physical wheat up to Jerusalem, he'll just take the coins up to Jerusalem and use that money that he brings, that has the Kedusha, to purchase foodstuffs and other edibles in uh, in uh, Jerusalem. So if it's his own food he's, he's uh, redeeming, he has to add a Chomesh. That means 25%. That is to say that if he had, for example, um, four shekels or dollars worth of wheat and he's going to redeem that wheat onto coins, he has to add a fifth shekel or dollar. So he would, if it's four shekels worth of wheat, he would actually redeem it onto five shekels worth of coins, bring it up. So that extra extra adding that what we call 25%, what the Mishnah calls a chomish, a fifth, because it's adding a fifth coin, of, um, that is an obligation all to itself. But as the Mishnah will say, um, that's not essential, not ma'akev, to uh, to the proper to the effective redemption of the produce. Which means, if a person had four shekels worth of of produce and he redeems it onto just four shekels of coins, that is effective. He just did something wrong in not adding the fifth the the fifth coin, the chomesh, but his food is still properly um, redeemed, and he can now eat that food which has been deconsecrated and take those coins up to Jerusalem to eat them over there. Okay. Um, 
Those, that was the Meiser Shani that's done in years one, two, four, and five of the Shemitah cycle. In years three and six, there's a Meiser Ani, the food's given to poor people. And in year seven, it's Shemitah and there's no tithes taken at all because every, all the property is, is hefker, is ownerless. Now, in addition to that, the Levi, remember, got his Meiser Rishon. He got that 10% from the farmer. So the Levi must also give 10% of his 10%, that's called Trumas Meiser, to the Kohen also. Meaning that the, we said the farmer gave um, two to the Cohen, then he gave, he had 98 left, he gave a tenth of that, which would be 9.8 to the Levy. The Levy would give a tenth of his 9.8 liters, meaning 0.98 liters of his grain would also go from the Levy to the Cohen. So the Cohen ends up getting a total of 2.98% of the produce, whereas the Levy is left with the 8.82 once he's given his 10% off to the, uh, to the Cohen. Now, there's a difference between the obligations and the status of Truma and Meiser. The Truma goes and Truma's Meiser goes to the Kohen, and that is actually Isser, meaning a person may not eat that Kohen food, the Truma and Truma's Meiser, under penalty of Mesimidashamim, death at the hands of heaven. Um, so that means you must, even if you haven't got a Kohen to give it to, you have to take it out of your food or your food is trafe, so to speak. On the other hand, Meister is not like that. Meister is a financial obligation that one, Meister Rishon, let's say, is a, is a financial obligation that goes to the Levy. But if a person uh, would eat Meister Rishon, so then he's only liable for the financial crime, let's call it, of stealing the Levy's produce. And to the extent that one is not obligated to give a Levy the produce, because let's say um, there's no evidence that he is a Levy, uh, so then, or you can have a Levy, Levy him handy, so you've done nothing wrong at all. So just to illustrate the point, that would mean if your Cohen friend invites you for dinner, he cannot serve you his truma because you're not a Cohen. You're not allowed to eat it. The truma, truma is forbidden to you per se. You're not a Cohen. You can't eat it. As opposed to my sir, Rishon, the Levi, if you give the Levi his tenth and the Levi invites you for dinner, he could serve you his my sir, Rishon. You could eat it. No problem. Which means now, in terms of the tithing process, it's uh, even more important that one remove uh, the truma than the my sir, from his food because the truma is forbidden to be eaten, whereas the my sir, not forbidden to be eaten. Um, now, the Mishnah will talk about the case of Demai. Demai, which um, is a is a portmanteau, it's a it's a contraction for da this my what is it? What's its status? Um, is a reference to the following: in the time of the Gemara, um, there was a sort of sociological study that was done, so to speak. It's, it's in Gemara and Sota and Memches, um, where Rabbi Yochanan. The uh, Kohen Gadol, he had a, uh, so to speak, commissioned a survey where he said, you know, what are farmers actually doing? Are they really tithing their foods properly? It came out that while most farmers did tithe properly, a significant minority of them didn't um, do the didn't do the micering to the levium, and therefore also included in the non. Meiser removed food was also Trumas Meiser. Now, the the food, therefore, that was decided to be that the rabbis declared that all the food supply that was purchased, any food that was purchased from a non-chaver, a person who hadn't formally accepted to, you know, tithe his food fully and properly, um, all food was assumed to be um, of dubious, dubiously tithed and had to be retithed. Now, what does it mean to be retithed? They didn't, the rabbi didn't require Truma Gedola to be removed a second time, um, because they were quite confident that the Kohanim, excuse me, that the farmers were removing that. Uh, however, they did require 
that the Trumas Meiser be removed, that 1%, excuse me, the 10% of the 10% that was supposed to go to the Levi, the Kohen has to get that, or at least has to be removed from the food so that the, the non-Kohen can, can eat what remains. Um, the reason why the farmers weren't removing that is because they erroneously thought, since they hadn't taken the Meiser tithe for the Levium, they thought that the Trumas Meiser, the 10th of that 10th, the Meiser's portion, the, the Levi's tithe that goes to the Kohen, didn't need yet to be taken. So they didn't think it was the food that was untithed um, was forbidden to be eaten, but in fact it is. And therefore, the rule of Demai says that rabbinically, at least in the time of, of the, the Mishnah and the Gemara, food must be, uh, that's not certainly tithed properly, purchased from a chaver, um, is considered to be Demai, of uncertain status, and therefore must be um, tied or retied to remove the trumas meiser. Uh, and similarly, um, the kedusha, if there is any, that is in the food as meiser sheni, the sanctity of food that has to be brought to Jerusalem, also must be um, redeemed and the food de- deconsecrated, at least out of doubt. Okay, that's the rules of demai. There's a whole masechas demai, more to talk about over there. Now, um, the mission now starts out by saying, the cases where a person might think these foods are forbidden to be eaten, and therefore a person has eaten, you know, in a forbidden way, and it would be sort of blasphemous to include him, for him to bless God for even the forbidden food. And therefore it says, Achal Demai, if one ate Demai, you might think he can't be included. The one who ate the Demai could not be included in the Zimmon, but wrong, he could be included. Why is that the case? Because um, even though most even though the rabbinic obligation is to, to remove the the Trumas Meiser from the Demai, um, and therefore until you do that, it's forbidden to eat the Demai. You might think it's therefore forbidden to eat. But really, um, first of all, most farmers did tie their food properly. Therefore, really, um, it's not, it's probably okay. And uh, although there's still a rabbinic in that injunction that, you know, that says that, okay, but just tie that in without a suffix. So there, the rabbis also had sort of like a, a, a equivocated on their obligation to force you to tithe your demai a second time. Uh, and the reason for that is because they said that poor people were allowed to eat demai without further tithing. And um, the reason why they said that is because, again, because since most farmers do tithe properly, they didn't want to put an undue burden on the poor people. They would even less food by having to retithe their produce additionally, or they wouldn't get food, etc. Because it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was coming from a, you know, from a dubious source at least rabbinically dubious source. And therefore, the rabbi said, the poor people are allowed to eat demai as it is. So you see, it's not, it's not intrinsically forbidden to eat, even rabbinically. It's just uh, a restriction on people who weren't considered to be poor. And really, since anybody could be legally poor by simply saying, listen, I renounce my ownership to all my property now, um, so I can eat this demai. So you see, demai is not intrinsically forbidden. And therefore, if one ate demai, he could, even though that's the wrong thing to do, he could be included in the zimmin. Um, with with the others, be one of the three, let's say. The second case is where a person who ate this food might be considered to be having done something wrong and couldn't be included, but in fact he could be included in the zimun, and he did nothing wrong. So, so is the Meiser Rishon, Shenitla Trumaso. Meiser Rishon food that had had its Truma taken from it. Now, if you read those words on face value, that doesn't make any sense, because of course, what's wrong? You take Meiser, that's the Levi's portion, the 10%, he takes the Truma out of it, and of course you could eat it. So why would you ever think that such a person who ate such food couldn't be included in the Zimmon? The answer is we're talking about a case where the, the Levi got clever, 
and he went to the farmer and he, and he went to the farmer prior to the obligation prior to the time when the obligation to take the truma kicked in. That is to say, these obligations I described about truma and maiserishon and so on only uh, kick in once the food has finished being processed. In the case of grain, that's called meruach, the smoothing of the piles of the grain for storage. That's after the that's after the, the threshing and the winnowing and everything else. It's the very end stage, the final stage of processing. So the, this levy went to the to the farmer ahead of time before the smoothing of the piles, the finishing of the process, and said, farmer, do me a favor. I'm here now. Give me my share at my meister now ahead of time, 10%, even though you haven't given anything to the Kohen yet. Now, that's okay in as much as the obligation to give to the Kohen didn't kick in. And the lady's doing a bit of a shtick over here because he's, instead of getting the 9.8, he's getting 10% of the 100. He's getting a full 10. He actually sort of profits here in cutting in line in front of the Kohen. But because the obligation to give to the Kohen hasn't kicked in yet, the lady hasn't actually done something wrong in doing that. Um, and therefore, the Mishnah says, as long as he, the lady, takes the Trumas Meiser, the tenth from his tenth that he received, and gives that to the Kohen, um, it's okay now to include him in the Zimmon. So the words of the Mishnah say, Umaisa Rishon, the Levi tithe, which arrived because the Levi, so to speak, cut in line and went and got the food from the farmer uh, before the Truma Gedola had been removed, but it was okay because the obligation to give Truma Gedola hadn't kicked in yet, provided that, Shanitlu Truma So, provided that the Truma, meaning the Truma's Meiser, had been removed from that Meiser, then um, the Levi's food, that meiser can be included, um, someone who ate that food can be included in the zimmet. If one had meiser sheni foodstuffs, or hektesh, that's food that's been committed to the base of mikdash, it's a little beyond the scope of this, but the rules are similar, that both of those types of foodstuffs are sort of sanctified and can be deconsecrated, um, taking their kedusha, their sanctity, and putting onto coins. So if you have meiser sheni or hektesh, and you're podet, you redeem it, deconsecrate it onto coins, then that food now is deconsecrated and it can be eaten. And one who eats that um, food could be included in a zimmon. Again, once again, you might ask, the Gemara asks, why in the world would you think otherwise? You're supposed to deconsecrate the Maishashani or Hektish before you eat it. Um, and the answer the Gemara gives, and the Bartender brings here as well, is that we're talking about a case where a person deconsecrated the food but didn't add the extra chomish. In other words, he had, um, again, the case is, let's say for argument's sake, he had his 40 shekels worth of wheat here, that, which he used to make the bread, and which he's now ate, and now he's going to bench on. What he should have done, since he had 40 shekels worth of Meister Shani grain, what he should have done is take 50 shekels worth of coins, adding a, or, actually that's too complicated, sorry, four shekels, he had four shekels worth of grain, he should have added, taken a fifth uh, coin, the Chomish coin, and then redeemed it onto five, adding 25% to the value, but he didn't. He took those, he had those four shekels worth of wheat, and he just took four shekels and redeemed the Ketush onto those four shekels, um, not adding the Chomesh, not adding the fifth. So he did something wrong, but nevertheless, the food is deconsecrated, and therefore, although he did something wrong, the food is kosher, and if he ate it and ate bread made from it, he could be included in the zimmin. Next case of Hashama Sha'achal Kazais, if the waiter who's serving two other people, like the in-house you know, servants, if you will, um, who's serving them, if he had a kazayas of bread, he can be included. That is to say, you have two people eating and the third person is serving them, going back and forth from the kitchen. Um, he can be the third guy. You might think, well, he didn't sit and eat with the other two, so he shouldn't be included. But the answer is, um, since that's the way that a, a waiter, a servant who serves the other people in the house, that's how he eats, sort of eats on the run, he's going back and forth to the kitchen. 
That's his way of eating. That's called eating with them, and therefore he could be included as the third to do the zimun. Akusi. Akusi is also included. Akusi, um, translated in English probably as a Samaritan. Uh, Akusi have a long, complicated story. Very, very briefly, after the Ten Lost Tribes were exiled by the Assyrians, um, the Assyrians brought in a new tribe from Kusa, wherever that is, a new people from Kusa, um, to live in the Shomron, in, you know, in Israel. And they were not Jewish, but they were being attacked by mountain lions. So then they ended up converting to being Jewish because they thought the local God didn't approve of their behavior. Um, and that was the sign from the lions attacking them. They're called, therefore called like lion converts, Gary Ariot. And, uh, the rabbis were never sure how to consider them. Are they really Jewish or otherwise? The big problem was that they were very strict about their adherence to the Torah Shabbat the written Torah, but they did not keep Torah Shabbat very well at all. Um, they didn't care about the Torah Shabbat. So the whole question about their Jewish status was a question. In the time of the Mishnah, when this is being written, um, we are saying that, yes, they are considered to be Jews. Therefore, the Kusi could be included in the Zimun. If one of your people were Kusi as opposed to a non-Jew, he could be included. Um, subsequent to this Mishnah, uh, the Gemara reports that they discovered that the Kusim, the Samaritans, had on Har Grizim an idol in the shape of a dove, which they worshipped. And at that point, the rabbis resolved that certainly they're not Jewish, they're idol- idolaters, and their conversion is no, no good, never good, and therefore they're not considered Jewish at all. But in the time of the Mishnah, they're sort of dubious Jews, and the Mishnah here is ruling that they're included as Jews for the sake of making a zimun. All those people, in all those cases, Mizamnalehen, they could be included in the zimun. On the other hand, says the Mishnah, now we'll have sort of um, the other side of the coin where these things are not acceptable behavior and therefore eating these foods or, you know, people who do these things cannot be included in the zimun. Here we go. Ach aval, however. Achal tevel. One who ate tevel. Tevel is untied the produce. That person cannot be included in the zimun. So if the person ate a tevel sandwich um, and with two other guys, the tevel sandwich eater can't be included as part of the zimun. Um, now, again, the Gemara asks, well, that's obvious. Tevel's forbidden. Why? Well, of course, it's Tevel's trafe, so to speak. It's, it's worse than that. It's got druma and so on. It's worse than eating, you know, a ham and cheese sandwich. And so, um, of course, he can't be included in the zimun. The question is, why not? Uh, well, what's the chiddush of the Mishnah then? And the Gemara answers, we're talking about even rabbinically Tevel food, meaning, let's say, for example, this wheat was grown in a flower pot. And the flower pot wasn't perforated. So therefore it's an above ground flower pot that's detached from the ground. And therefore the produce inside there's not really attached to Eretz Israel. And therefore not really from a Torah perspective, um, required to be tithed, but rabbinically it is. Um, so it's called rabbinic tevel. And if that food that grew in the flower pot that wasn't perforated, um, wasn't tithed, it's still forbidden mid rabbinically. And the one who ate that, it sort of would be blasphemous to, to include him in the zimun. So it can't be included. The next case is, if you have Maiserishon, the Levi's tithe, that wasn't, didn't have the truma taken out of it, um, that can't, that food is forbidden to be eaten, therefore one who ate it, it would be blasphemous to include him in the zimun, and he can be included. Again, the Gemara asks the question, let's obvious, if you haven't, have, haven't properly tied the food, it's Maiserishon, the Levi's portion without the proper tithing to the, the Kohen having happened, of course, is forbidden. What would you think otherwise? The more answers, the case is like the previous case of the Mishnah, which is the Levi tried to pull a shtick and he tried to cut in line and go to the farmer ahead of time and, you know, he to get a bigger share and not take Truma Gadola out of his portion. So even though he did give, let's say, Truma's Meiser, the 10% of his 10%, um, 
In this case, it's insufficient. Why? Because in this case, the levy showed up too late. The levy showed up to the farm and, you know, asked the farmer for his 10% after the farmer had done meruach, had smoothed the piles and that of grain. And that being the case, the obligation to tithe and give, you know, the 2% of Truma Gedola to the Kohen had already kicked in. So when the levy now tries to cut in front of the line of the Kohen, he's actually taking food that has embedded Truma Gedola in it and just taking off the 10% of his 10% um, is insufficient. You first have to pull off the Truma Gedola portion. So even if you have Maeser Rishon um, that had been tithe in as much as the trumas mice have been removed, that's insufficient because there's still embedded truma gadola, which makes it usher to eat, and therefore um, that mycerician shall lint the truma, so the mycerician that hadn't had its truma removed from it is forbidden, and one who ate that bread made of that kind of wheat um, would not be allowed to be included in the zimun. Next case of the Mishnah is Meiser Shani, the hektish shalonifdu. If one ate bread from wheat that came from Meiser Shani or from hektish, of food that hadn't shalom niftu that hadn't been tied excuse me hadn't been redeemed properly he can't be included in the zimun again that's obvious if you didn't tie it or excuse me you didn't redeem it properly then of course it's still sanctified or forbidden to be eaten outside of jerusalem this is forbidden food and therefore you, of course can't be included asked the gemara it answers the person tried to deconsecrate um his foodstuffs as my sushani or hectish um but his attempt was in vain was not effective because he used um coins that hadn't been minted properly. They were just sort of flat, you know, gold pieces as opposed to gold coins or whatever it would be. Because um, the it's based on a drasha. The Gemara says the Tsarta, it should be um, bound up in your hand, but the drasha of Tsarta, uh, it should have a Tsura, it should be a minted coin that is being used to deconsecrate and accept the Kedusha of the Meister Shani or the Hektesh. So if the guy tried to and failed to deconsecrate his produce because he used a slug that didn't have a mint, hadn't been minted, that would be ineffective, uh, and that person could not be included if he ate such food in Meiser, in the Zimmon because the food he ate is still got the Gedusha of Meiser Shani and forbidden to be eaten outside of Jerusalem. Also, Vahashamash, the servants, the waiter, Sha'achal Pachos Makazais, if he ate less than a Kazais of bread and all of the amount of bread, he can't be included. The Gemara says, yeah, of course he can't, he didn't eat the amount of bench. And the Gemara says, indeed, there's no great Chiddush here. Um, it's just that for the sake of parallelism, this clause was included sort of, you know, parallel the previous clauses of the cases of the Mishnah. So that's straightforward. And finally, the Hanachri, the non-Jew, uh, a non-Jew can't be included in the Zimun. Um, so while the Kusi in the previous case is really a dubious Jew and the Mishnah ruled he is a bona fide Jew, the Nachri, the non-Jew, is simply not Jewish and can't be included in the Zimun. And that's that. All those people, a mazamna lehem. You can't make a zimun on those people or those people who ate those kinds of foods.